Football's full of uplifting stories, if you look hard enough. Just five years ago, new Everton striker Beto was working at a fast food chain and playing amateur football. He worked his way up the ranks, had a productive spell with Udinese in Serie A, and now here he is, trying to take away Everton's relegation fears. But at a cost of £25 million, he certainly wasn't from the bargain bucket. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. No budget fast food here, only fine dining when it comes to feasting on the best betting selections. My top tipping team is here, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark, Beto's already scored for Everton in a League Cup win at Doncaster. And I guess it just lifts the mood ahead of that trip to Sheffield United to actually have a striker. Because Dominic Calvert-Lewin, with the best will in the world, has had injury problems. And they needed somebody who wasn't Neil Mopé. Yes, or Dan Juma as well, who's been kind of operating as a stand-in striker because Mope is, as I think Jake would probably put it, rubbish. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> they've... Um, With all of his data at hand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Everton have been handicapped because um, Dwight McNeil's been missing as well. Jack Harrison, who was quite a, a canny pickup in the summer, he's been absent through injury as well. But they have been doing some decent stuff in forward areas, actually. They've had 43 shots. Um you know, but uh, no goals so far, obviously. And I think, you know, if you looked at the matches, um, particularly in the Goodison Park games against Fulham and Wolves, they've done more than enough to get something out of those games, let alone score a goal. So perhaps a big bit of bad luck has gone against them. But um, they're an odd team at the minute. Um, I think I said last week that I bounced around my opinions and views on Everton um, in August. You know, I put them in the relegation mix. I was really confused as to why they were rated above about half a dozen teams in the market before a ball was kicked. And then I sort of looked into the squad and I thought there's quite a lot for Sean Dyche to work with there. There's a framework of a of a team, a decent spine. Obviously, a lot relies on Calvert-Lewin, but um, I think defensively, the individuals there are, would stand up to a Dyche setup or a Dyche side, but that's not really been the case. In fact, that's probably where they've been falling down just as much as in the opposition box because... Um, you know, considering the standard of opposition hasn't been the strongest, they've allowed 32 shots and 5.6 expected goals. Uh, not good enough, really, for a, a team um, you know who you, you would assume would be quite um, sort of well set up defensively. I think Anada and Idrissi Gay have been well below their required standards, and uh, experienced players have made mistakes defensively too. So they need to improve immeasurably, really, in both boxes. And yeah, the the, the business they've done is. Is interesting. Um, I think that's probably the best description because we're told that Everton have got no money. They're completely skint and then they go and spend £45 million on two Portuguese players without an international cap. And you know, Beto's story is fantastic. He's made a good impression in Serie A. Um, it's big shoes to fill in terms of Calvert-Lewin. He's a similar stature, uh, but he's not really your clinical number nine that they perhaps require. And then Schmitty is a player I really like, actually. He's huge promise. Saw glimpses of him in Portugal last year and he could grow into being a really sort of top-class striker, but he's a long way from being the finished article right now. So I'm not sure they found the answer, despite spending £40 million on those two players. But clearly, as you say, they've got options now, at least in attack. Um, and they're playing a Sheffield United team who look to be growing into the season. Um, I still have huge doubts over their ability to survive. But, you know, spanked by Palace on the opening day. Had some good spells of promise, really, against Forest, despite losing. And then last week was 
really hard to judge because it was clearly a damage limitation job and uh, you know Paul Heckenbottom aiming to sort of be alive in the last 15 minutes which which they were and it almost worked as well but you look at the first half no shots no corners 17% of the ball Ruben Diaz completed eight more passes than the whole Sheffield United side did in the first <laughs> half, which kind of tells you your it's own story. It's not ideal, is it really? No, no. But I understand the, the approach there. And what you would say on a more positive side is, is McBurney, um, fit to come off the bench, made a real difference. Um, you know, he caused a bit of panic in the City defence, put himself about. Cameron Archer now is available too. He appeared in the Cup in midweek as well. So, you know, they do look to have a level of motivation, a level of togetherness. Um Clearly, they're working for Paul Heckenbottom and um, producing the kind of battling displays. You know, they deserve a bit of praise for that, even if they are short of top level quality. And I think they will be capable of of kind of um, keeping Everton involved in a, in a in a tricky to game tricky game to call, I should say. So, um, yeah, it's hard for me to sort of um, analyze this match because I, I don't really like either team at the minute, and I can kind of understand why both well all kind of uh, markets opposing goals are pretty short prices here, but. Um, if there was a play to be had for me, uh, he's going to be a watching brief for the, for the most part. But if McBurney does make a start in this game, he's uh, he's around six to four to make two or more fouls, which I don't mind that at all. Um, came off the bench, as I said last week, and, and was herring around really and, and trying to make an impact and chucking himself into challenges and unsettling the defence. And you know Everton will, will fight fire with fire in that sense. They've got plenty of big boys in that team who will put it about a bit too. So. It could get quite physical. We'd expect a few cards in this match, but um, hard to foresee a, a kind of entertaining end-to-end encounter. But, you know, um, yeah, eager to hear what the other guys think because uh, it's probably a no-bet game for me. Italian defensive legend Leonardo Bonucci has been looking for a club this summer. I hear that he considered a move to Malta, but he didn't want to be unfavourably compared to Trader and Tipster. Uh, Mark Stinchcombe, odds compiler as well, widely regarded as one of the best defensive minds on the island. Stinch, does this Beto signing do enough to lift Everton or are they still in big trouble in your eyes? Um, it's a good question. I think they're still in big trouble because of the style of play. And I had in my mind that Beto was this sort of 15, 16, 17 goal a season striker. But he only scored 10 last season. The season before was 11. And yeah. For a mid-table uh, team, though, in fairness. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it's a decent record. But I think we've seen some of the guys that are posting... Um, Decent goal returns in Syria, like our mate Simi, for example, that's just dropped off a cliff now. Um, so maybe the standard of Syria defences isn't, you know, actually as high. Um, but I, I still think it's just their sort of general play, and you know, Sean Dyche's sides don't really lend themselves to consistent chance creation and consistent limiting of chance creation to give you the best chance of, of getting three points in, in football matches. Having said that, they have been a bit unlucky uh, at the beginning of the season. Um, no one can really deny that. But, you know, you I think you need to look longer term under Dyche since he's come in in March and seen that he's just won five wins in 21 games. You know, four of those came at Goodison Park. So I don't see how anyone can really be betting Everton here as faves at Sheffield United. Everton seven to five faves. I mean, you, I say you can slightly understand it, considering that uh, you know Everton have been unlucky not to score uh, yet. Um, I think 
they've created um, five expected goal chances. But as you say, you still need somebody that can actually put the ball in the back of the net. So yeah, maybe better will be that man. I don't know if I don't know if bottom of the table league to Doncaster is a good barometer of uh, of where Everton are at. But uh, you know, at least it kept. Uh, it kept the dogs from, uh, you know, calling for for Dyche's head if that was if that cup upset had have happened. Um, I mean, obviously we're only four games in, but this feels like a massive relegation six pointer. Seventeenth uh, again tw- against twentieth in the league. Um, Sheffield United scored just two goals themselves. They've got the second lowest expected goals output in the league, and I think that's something we highlighted in preseason uh, in the preseason preview with the loss of uh, Illiman and Di uh, James McAtee as well. Um, you know, uh, Undi was double figures for goals and assists last season, and yeah, I mean it's no surprise they, they've struggled to replace him. Um, I say Everton's expected goals is up at five, but you know I I think I can kind of understand that given the fact that two of their three home games were against Wolves and Fulham and and the odds would suggest they would ex- be expected to score a few goals in those games um ba- you know based on being um you know a 6 to 5 5 to 4 faves so they should have scored a few uh anyway so I'm not completely letting them off the hook um but yeah, I mean, under Dice, they've scored just 19 goals in those 21 games. And if and if you take out that mad 5-1 win at Brighton, um, which I still can't sort of yeah. comprehend, um, it's just 14 goals in, in 20 games. And you know, they failed to score in nearly 50% of, of his games in charge. So given the fact that under two and a half goals is is a, is shorter than four to seven, I think I found an angle to sort of get on board with opposing goals. Um, Sheffield United themselves averaging just seven shots per game so far. That's the the lowest in the league, obviously taking into account that they have played Man City already. Um, but I like the look of both teams to score here uh, a no at 17 to 20. And it just seems a touch on the large side when you consider that Palace v Wolves, uh, no, is 8 to 11. Man City v Fulham, no, is uh, is 3 to 4. And I think in those games, you, you can make, um, you can um give them a better chance of happening than the odds suggest. I mean we've seen Wolves go to United and register the most shots uh, I think since uh, 2005 for an away team. Um and and we know Fulham despite the fact they lost Mitrovic um always can um uh, produce something out of nothing I would say with some of the players they have on board. So yeah in in a game that I think will be quite cagey uh, lunchtime kickoff on Saturday uh, quite happy to kind of, in my mind, increase the under two and a half goals price of, of eight to 15 and get nearly an even money play um, opposing goals with both teams not scoring. And last but not least, trader and tipster Brian McDonnell is with us. Brian, I know you want to take a look at Manchester City, 100% record for them so far. And they've got a Fulham side who at time of recording, we don't know if they're going to lose one of their best players in Joao Palinha. He's been linked with Bayern and it has been a tough, close season for them so far. Yeah, he's been brilliant, Palina. I was actually surprised um, Liverpool, when they were looking at a, a hold midfield, that he wasn't included in that sort of um, Lavia and, uh, and Casido bracket. And even when Chelsea, I know they signed too, but I thought Palina brilliant season he had last year and obviously um, came up with the equaliser last week against Arsenal so no surprise that, that Bayern Munich are, are, are linked as well we're not sure if he'll if he will be playing uh, this week against Man City for this, this game I was trying to come up with like a fancy bet builder for Man City but 
I've I've just decided to be the most unoriginal man on the pod um uh, with, with my selection I, I i was thinking man city just to cover the the minus two handicap that was six to five but i'm gonna go with um erling Haaland to score two or more goals which is two to one on the sports book um i did warn you i was being uh unoriginal <laughs> pe- pe- people wrong with that if it wins yeah exactly like people were wondering was you know how uh how's Haaland gonna play now that de bruyne is out of the side will he get the service Last week against Sheffield United, he could have scored five goals, and 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 that's no exaggeration. Um, he ended up with the with just the one. Um, and it's Fulham at home uh, this week. Like they've they've conceded the most amounts of 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 expected goals this season. It was a miracle. You, you guys were talking about uh, Everton there. Um, it was a miracle that Everton didn't score against them on on the first day. Brentford ran through them at at Craven Cottage, and then Arsenal scored two. Um. You know, it was a brilliant point that Fulham got at Arsenal last week, but Man City won't switch off like like Arsenal did. Um, and I I just think the way how open Fulham have been at the back this season doesn't bode well for them going to going to Manchester City. I think it's going to be comfortable for Man City. I could, I think they can rack up three, four, five goals. And uh, and if they are to do that, um, you're not going to back against uh, Erling Haaland scoring uh, two of them. So a brace at least for Haaland, I think, is okay at a, a two to one. Now, there's no doubt that injury time goals are a great source of drama in football, but those goals can be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bet. So we've introduced a new feature at Betfair uh, called 90-Minute Payout. Now, when you bet on the results of a match, you can still win even if there's injury time drama. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result, as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description, 18+. plus. See gambleaware.org. Now, an independent study has found that Chelsea and Nottingham Forest have accounted for 97% of the world's transfer activity in the past 14 months. Uh, I'm not entirely sure the data is accurate. Uh, Stinch, they go head-to-head this weekend. Forest went 2-0 up at Manchester United. Couldn't see it through. Lost 3-2. Can they cause Chelsea a few problems here? Yeah, I think they can. I think we only have to look back to the fact when they met in uh, May at Stamford Bridge in this fixture, they caused them some problems and, and came away with a point in a 2-2 draw. Chelsea here, a 4-11. I, I definitely wouldn't be back in Chelsea uh, at, in this game and, and probably at this stage of the season, really. You know, we've only got a few games now under Pochettino. They still might do some more transfer business. It seems like they, they might play uh an exceedingly high figure for a guy with less than 10 league appearances from Man City. Um, but that does seem to be their business model. Um, so I, I'd rather wait and wait and see a little bit. I mean, the market, and the reason why I say this really is because the, the market basically anticipates that Chelsea are going to be a top four, top five team. So if you if you agree with that, you, there's no really room for manoeuvre. You know, you're not going to be able to make any money that way. So the 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 way to make money with Chelsea, really, if if you have an opinion that they won't be as good as a top four, top five team, is to oppose them. Um, I haven't quite made up my mind, uh, but I think at the prices in this game, I think I think we can get behind um, Forest here in, in some way. 
Um, Forest have scored in 17 of their last 21 games. I think last season, what we saw, particularly for the first probably two thirds of the season, was they were able to do a few things at home, but away from home, they were completely hopeless. But as the season progressed, it seems they were able to gel, are uh, able to fit um, Taiwo Wanyi into the system. And it, it seems to have reaped rewards going forward. And, uh, and that was their main issue. I mean, even if they weren't able to score going forward, they were still conceding at the back anyway. At least they're now able to to put up a bit of a fight. Um, and, and they've already scored, obviously already scored at both Arsenal and Man United already this season. So I think don't think it's too far-fetched that they score away at Chelsea. And indeed, it's only four to six that they score. So I don't think we're really reinventing the wheel, suggesting they could uh, score. I mean, a one-year himself, he, it's great now. It seems that he's settled. Ten goals in his last 15 Um Looking at the back end of last season, again he scored away at both Arsenal and United already this season. Um, he's seven to two. If you if you fancy him to score, he bagged two uh, last time he visited Stamford Bridge. Um, so you could even go a bit bigger and uh, and take uh, the two plus at uh, twenty five to one if that tempted you. Um, Chelsea themselves quietly impressed with what they're doing. They they they've been um, monopolising possession in their matches. Um, Game state might come into that a little bit when we consider the fact they were behind against both Liverpool and West Ham for long periods. Uh, but still, it does look as though they're they're trying to play a lot through Enzo Fernandez, um, which makes sense given the, the money they spent on him. And in terms of chance creation, they created the fifth most expected goals in the league so far. So I'd say um, so far the signs seem good. Maybe they just need someone clinical to to put them away. Uh, but given Forrest to say a four to six to score, I think backing both teams to score here at ten to eleven is is an enormous leap, really, and and uh, quite a good bet to get onside. Now, Luton were expected to find it difficult to breathe in the rarefied air of the Premier League. They've lost heavily at Brighton and Chelsea, but finally get their first ever Premier League game at Kenilworth Road against West Ham on Friday. Mark, it's going to be a terrific atmosphere. How is this one going to go? Yeah, it will be. Um, tough start for Luton, as you say, but I think away games at Brighton and Chelsea, you know, you're not going to be judged on your survival prospects by what you do uh, at those two venues. Um, you know, the numbers haven't been pretty. They've faced 46 shots already, uh, 20 shots on target. They've only managed three on target attempts themselves, and one of those was a, a penalty. But um, a home game against a non big seven opponent, these are the opportunities I think Luton must take if they are to have a realistic shot at survival. Um, and particularly this one, Friday night under the lights, first game uh, at the uh, newly re- renovated Kenilworth Road. Uh, it will be rocking. It will will be boisterous. Um, going away there is always a an interesting experience uh, for an away supporter. <laughs> um, and so yeah, I'm I'm expecting. Well, I think you have to give them an extra couple of points because of that. So you know the players will be absolutely pumped. And I do think whether it's West Ham or, or someone else, I do think a couple of Premier League teams will be spooked by the experience of going to Kenilworth Road because it will be so different to what they're normally accustomed to. And uh, I think there will be opportunity there. The, for me, with Luton at the minute, um, they've kind of continued the 3-5-2 that brought them promotion last year. Uh, Rob Edwards has uh, upgraded his wing-backs with Ryan Giles and Issa Gabore operating there. And, you know, they do provide plenty of threat down those flanks, get balls into the box. They are quite a physical and direct team. Um, I guess the central midfield, the, the lack of invention has cost them a little bit because if you shut down the wing backs, you know, you kind of, kind of shut down their threat altogether and they won't be able to bully West Ham like they can do in certain teams in the championship because the Hammers are a big team by nature. But um, yeah, I do think they can cause problems to West Ham regardless because 
West Ham need to show us something a little bit different. They can't go to, to Luton and produce the same sort of game plan as they did at Brighton, where they had just 20% of the ball. They were terrific, of course they were. Uh, Brighton got completely and utterly David Moyes. But, um, uh, you know, I just think, um, you know, when you've got players like Bowen and Antonio, uh, Paqueta, Ben Rama, uh, you can't be doing that when you go away to the relegation favourites. So uh, I'm interested to see what approach they do take. I do like what West Ham have done with their money of Declan Rice. Uh, we talked about it last week. I think the signings have been excellent. Um, eager to see how they fare because ultimately these are the kind of venues and away trips where West Ham have faltered under David Moyes. Um, his pragmatism has often hurt them, as it did against Bournemouth on the opening day where they gave up a lead and, and failed to win that match. So if you go back to the beginning of last season, they faced 10 teams who finished in the bottom half. That includes Bournemouth this year. This year, They've only won one of those 10 games. They've lost six times, kept one clean sheet in that 10-game sample. It's not good enough. Um, and so I do think Luton handicap prices could be quite appealing here, considering the circumstances. But ultimately, I've landed on uh, both teams to score at 192, which is a better price for Luton plus Three quarters on the Asian handicap um, is a better price than West Ham to win the match too. Um, the Hammers have conceded in all three of their matches so far. Uh, they've been given a lot of praise for a lot of their performances, but I think against Chelsea, they probably got a little bit lucky. Um, and uh, obviously, they can't repeat what they did at Brighton this time around either. And if you look at their away record, since the start of last season, they've played 20 away Premier League games. They've managed just three clean sheets. So um, I think Luton absolutely have the tools to, to trouble any team at Kenilworth Road this, this year, get on the score sheet, and then I don't really care what happens uh, overall. But uh, as a sort of side note as well, you can get around 2.15 on a, a one-foul double, uh, marvellous Nakamba and Emerson. Uh, so Nakamba will be the, the destroyer, the dog in Luton's midfield, uh, and Emerson, uh, a left-back who has uh, committed... At least one foul on all three appearances. Now, Canberra has two, actually, uh, this season too. Uh, but I think, as I say, a lot of Luton's attacks do come down the flanks. So Emerson uh, will be drawn out of position a little bit to try and mark them. And Chong as well in uh, Luton midfield. He's been drawing some of the most, um, some of the highest uh, foul numbers in the Premier League already, despite playing for Luton in away games at Brighton and Chelsea. So he operates down that kind of flank alongside Issa Gabore too. So a, a couple of fancies, but my main one will be both teams to score. A lot of talk of dogs already. We've had dogs in midfield. We had dogs earlier on calling for Sean Dyche to be sacked already, maybe in press hats with the little, you know, ticket in the fedora, perhaps. Lots of dog chat already. Now, worth bearing in mind, Betfair is offering a completely free football lacquer or bet builder this weekend. But you do have to opt in to claim it. Maximum free bet, £5 per customer. Minimum combined odds and T's and C's apply. Let's... Dip into the crystal clear waters of the EFL, shall we? Stinch, Notts County, one of the standout teams in the National League last term. How do you feel they're faring in League Two ahead of their clash with Accrington? Yeah, I want to focus on uh, Chesterfield as well, because uh, I feel like they're kind of doing a similar thing to, to Notts County. I think um, they've started as expected, really. Chaotic. Um, lots of goals. Um, ultimately, I think they're starting to find their feet after the, the shock 5-1 defeat on, on the opening day of the season. Um, a lot of people's sort of tips to, to go better than, than Wrexham. Uh, as we know, Wrexham were, were outright favourites. Um, uh, but both, I think both sides, um, they've got so much going for them intact in that they might have sort of forgotten a little bit about uh, investing in, in the defensive side of things. Um 
But in, in terms of the, of the odds, uh, Notts County are likely to go off faves in, in almost every game this season, except for the away games against Wrexham, Stockport and MK Dons. Um, they've already odds on in all five games so far, and that includes three away games. So if you've not backed them for the title yet or backed them for promotion, um, definitely try and find a way to get them on side. And this is kind of what I'm kind of going to try and allude to uh, week in, week out. Um, so, yeah, I mean... We'll, They've got another 41 games to go so far this season. So uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll go quite well. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's ridiculously impressive. Um, the fact that they are um, going off odds on um, so far, um, considering they've just been promoted from the National League. They obviously lost Ruben Rodriguez to, to Oxford as well, who was the sort of chief instigator in the sort of number 10 position. But obviously, they recruited uh, well in, in the forward area with, with signing David McAldrick to go alongside uh, Macaulay Longstaff. Um, However, they're always going to give you a chance at the back, in my mind. Um, nine goals conceded already in their five games. And it's a similar story for, for Chesterfield, really. Um, arguably, well, not arguably, definitely easier league to win this uh, season in the National League with, without um, Wrexham and Notts County in it. Uh, the two sides that, that have come down uh, have got a lot of uh, work to do. Um, but Chesterfield will definitely be faves in every single game this season, no doubt about it. Um, six so far, I've all seen them go off odds on average odds of just eight to thirteen. Um, they were, they did open up five to one for the title in, in the summer. They're they're not top because they're not actually uh, they've only actually won four of the games so far, and yet they're now evens to win the league, which which just goes to show the the huge shift um, from from the pre match uh, opening show. Um, but again, they can't defend. Uh, ask any <laughs> of their supporters, and they'll tell you the same. Um, so it doesn't quite marry up to what we're seeing in the in the match odds. Uh, essentially, what the match odds are telling us is. Yes, they can't defend, but they're going to outscore you. A uh, perfect example of it on Bank Holiday Monday. Uh, went two goals down early to, to Hartlepool. Um, came back with a with a 95th minute winner. Um, again, that's the sort of thing I'm envisaging uh, week in, week out for the rest of the season. Uh, no clean sheets in the six games. Conceded 11 goals. So basically, every week, I'm going to be back in Notts County and Chesterfield to win. And both teams to score. Uh, and this week, it comes out 15-2. to two. Generally, on average, it's going to be about eight, eight to one, nine to one. Um, so you only have to win sort of once, uh, once every sort of eight or nine times to, to break even. But I, I think we'll win more than that. Uh, it's only won one so far when they played uh, on the same weekend. But uh, yeah, excellent chance this week, given the fact that Notts County are eight to 15 and Chesterfield are four to six. So, so if you backed, you know, if you back both of them to win, uh, you know, you're only getting sort of <clears throat> five to four, six to five. Uh, but if you double it up with the fact that they that they can't defend, uh, you're getting closer to eight to one. So I think it's a really good bet to, to champion every week. And that's something I'm definitely going to be doing. Classic stinch selection there. Love it. Brian, elsewhere, Carlisle up against Shrewsbury. Yeah, I was looking for an outsider in the EFL um, this weekend, and I think I found one in Shrewsbury. Um, they're three point one on the exchange, um, drawn a bit on the sports book at the moment. They're um, six to five. Um, it's mainly based on Carlisle's struggles in 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 front of goal, rather than my in depth knowledge of, of of Shrewsbury that I'm going for this um, this weekend. Um, Carlisle came up through League One playoffs last season. Bet um Stockport on on penalties in the final after finishing fifth in League Two. Now their top goal scorer last year, Christian Dennis, he he scored twenty league goals 
he stayed in in League Two. He's with Tranmere this season, and their next highest scorer had six goals. Um, they've replaced Dennis with Sean Maguire. Um, now Mark will know Maguire well as an ex Irish international. Um, traveling Europe, watching the boys in green, he, he he would have seen him a couple of times. He only has one international goal in in, in his eleven games. Um. It's his first time he's dropped down to League uh, One. He's He's been in the Championship the past six seasons since Preston bought him from Cork City uh, in Ireland. Now, he's been terribly unlucky with injuries, but as a forward, he hasn't scored a league goal in his last 35 competitive fixtures. Um, wow. Yeah, a good few of those coming off the bench now, but still, it's uh, he's not a man in form, let's say. And, and, and uh, it's... <laughs> no. it's 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 great to see him back playing games. He he, he started uh, the first three games for Carlisle this season, still yet to score. But I think they've taken a gamble on him. Um, he had been linked with a return to Ireland before, uh, back to Cork City before he did join Carlisle. So I think they've taken a gamble. They do play with two up top as well, Carlisle. Their other striker they're using is Luke um, Plange. He's a, a, a young striker on loan from Crystal Palace. He was in League One last season as well with... Um, Lincoln City uh, on loan and, and he didn't score either in his appearances for Lincoln so I think they could do with another striker in this before this great <laughs> yeah I, 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 I think they could do with another striker in before the, the, the window shuts because um, there's no guarantee either of their strikers are going to score goals this season um, they've had a poor start to just two goals and they're opening five games Carlisle um, they don't concede many either to be fair to them um, so you know it's it's probably likely going to be a, a low scoring game um, Shrewsbury no great shakes in the division either they finished mid-table last year tailing off towards the end um, they are undefeated in their last eight games against Carlisle though um, looking at the relegation odds Carlisle are 4-5 to five for the drop uh, whereas Shrewsbury are 7-2 to two. so they're rated a good bit better by uh, our men in the know so I think a uh, good value Draw no bet at least, and if you want to go for the win at a three point one on the exchange for Shrewsbury, some lovely uplifting stuff there. A guy who's nearly got an entire season's worth of games without scoring a single goal. Mark Crew against MK Dons. I cannot deal with this relentless clamour. Come on, <laughs> this is going to be great fun. Uh, League Two has been <laughs> entertaining so far this season. I think sixty percent of all games in League Two have gone over two and a half goals, uh, and I'm eager to sort of board that goals bus because Crew have been amongst the great entertainers across the whole EFL so far this season. Uh, they were blanked by Bradford last week. That's the first time they've basically been nullified all season because uh, they went into that game having scored at least twice in their first four fixtures. Uh, the Bradford goal uh, came against the run of play. They controlled the first half, had decent opportunities before they, they fell, to, fell behind and were basically shut out by the Bantams thereafter. But yeah, as I say, the first four games, they scored at least twice. The thing is, they also conceded at least twice in all four matches. So... Their first four fixtures ended in three 2-2 draws and a 4-2 win for Crew. Uh, so, yeah, they've been great entertainers. I'm um, expecting sort of normal service to, to resume, really, because MK Dons are in town, who are top of the table, four wins from five. However, um, they've been defying the data. Uh, just the one clean sheet so far. They've conceded at least twice in three of those five games. And if you look at the underlying metrics, MK Dons, despite topping the table with four wins from five, are inside the bottom four for ratio rankings on expected goals, non-penalty expected goals, shots and shots in the box. They've allowed the fourth most shots in the box in League Two. And they're also amongst the leaders in the division for big chances conceded. So they're far from watertight at the back. Uh, kind of echoes what Stinch was talking about with Chesterfield and Notts County. But going forward, they have the standout forwards in the division, which isn't too surprising considering they've just been relegated. But uh, Jonathan Lico and Mo Issa are still there. Exceptional op options to have in forward areas 
They've scored six goals between them already this season. So small samples, of course, but um, you've got a crew side who are very decent going forward. Uh, in fact, at home, they've scored at least twice in nine of the last 10, if you straddle back to, to last season. Uh, and MK Don's team, who similarly haven't been great defensively, but good going forward. So small samples, but they played 10 games between them, managed just one clean sheet, scored in nine of those. Eight of the 10 have gone overs. Eight of the 10 have seen BTTS. And six of the 10 have gone over three and a half goals as well. So over 2.5 goals here is 1.85, 17 to 20. And that would be my selection. Let's move over to the German Bundesliga. Bayer Leverkusen have won both of their games and have looked really good doing it so far. New striker Victor Boniface has been very, very lively. He is 11-10 to 10 on the sportsbook to score at any time against newly promoted Darmstadt. Boniface scored twice in his last appearance away at Borussia Mönchengladbach, who were awful. But Leverkusen did play very well. Granit Xhaka looks great in midfield. You've got Florian Wirtz providing the ammunition and Boniface has been very, very active so far. Darmstadt, perhaps unsurprisingly, have started their campaign as a newly promoted club with two defeats, beaten 1-0 at Hessen rivals Eintracht Frankfurt, and then they lost 4-1 at home to Union Berlin. So I think Boniface will get chances and I think he will score and I don't think he'll be 11-10 as an anytime goal scorer for very long if he carries on the way he's going. To Liga, Brian Monaco have just signed Falarin Balogun from Arsenal um, and they take on Lens, who just lost to Paris Saint-Germain. So it's a pretty decent game, that one. Yeah, and I watched Monaco last week because Emmett spoke highly about them on last week's show ahead of their game. We know how influential Emmett is. When Emmett speaks, the world listens. Absolutely, yeah. So I look forward to them. Were they the Friday night game? I think they were the Friday night game. Uh, And uh, they didn't win. It was a 3-3 draw, but it was one of the most one-sided draws uh, you will see uh, all season. Uh, When you look at the expected goals figures, it was 4.96 expected goals for Monaco, which is a huge figure. Now, Game state will come into that because they were one nil and two nil down and 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 three one down. But Nantes had three shots in the game and 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 three goals. Um, if you sort of simulate the the expected goals into expected points for this game, um, it would be zero point zero one points for Nantes and two point nine nine points for Monaco. So it was a, a freak result. I think uh, Emmett was unlucky with that that one not coming in. Um, I'm willing to have a shot on them again this week though. They host. Lon, who haven't had the best of starts of the season, uh, lost to PSG, as you mentioned there. No um, no disgrace in that. Um, they did finish second behind PSG last season. Um, only a point behind them in the in the end as well. And I would still expect them to be fighting up towards the, the top end of the table this season, even after a, a slow start. But just a couple of question marks early on for me. Um, their star striker uh, from last season, Lois Openda, You'd know him now, Kevin. He's gone to RB Leipzig. He was brilliant yeah. for brilliant for them last season. He, he he started well for for Leipzig as well this season. Um, they've replaced him with uh, Elia Wahi, a, a young striker, twenty years of old, twenty years of age. Even he was um, he was at Montpellier last season. Uh, I think Chelsea were linked with him in the summer yeah. as well, along yeah. along with every other uh, player, striker, midfielder in Europe. Um. But I still think he's a downgrade on Appenda. He is young. He could he could go in, you know, um, in the next coming years, he could be a top striker in Europe. But I think the way Appenda played last season and has started this season, he, he is a downgrade. Um, Lon have also lost uh, uh, Seko Fofana. Uh, he was uh, a stalwart of their midfield last season. He's gone to Saudi Arabia. And they just haven't started uh, the season 
too well as well. They lost to Brest uh, as well, and they and they drew with um, Ren at home as well. So one point from their opening three games. I think they will be fine, uh, you know, and, and and will be up towards the top of the table. But just for the reasons that mainly Emmett mentioned last week about Monaco, um, I'll I'll take them at home to win uh, at odds against. Yeah, Monaco looking really front foot under Adi Hooter and strikers do tend to thrive under him. So I think Balogun's move there is a really sensible one for him. He's got proven track record in Liga uh, with Reims previously. So I see no reason why he won't score a load of goals for Monaco. Mark, you've got a French pick as well. A couple of teams we've already mentioned actually. Brest up against Rennes. Quite an intriguing clash this one. Yeah, I'm um, going to get with the goals again. Over two and a half goals is, is five to six, 1.83, which I think is a, a very fair price. Uh, league on, uh, as it has been in the last couple of years, has been one of the most entertaining leagues in terms of the major European divisions. Uh, we're already sort of operating off a, a 3.15 goals per game average. 70% of matches in the division have seen BTTS already. Um, here we've got a Brest team under Eric Bois, who... Um, our front foot, uh, since he's taken charge, they've played 24 league going games and failed to score just five times. 58% of those games saw both teams scoring. At home, they've scored an 11 of 12. Under his watch, uh, again, 58% winners for BTTS and over two and a half goals. If you look at their three games so far this season, uh, two out of three have seen BTTS, two out of three have gone over two and a half goals. The XG average is at 3.37. Look at those games individually. There's a bit of a game of two halves, but they did beat Lawrence 3-2 on the opening day after being 2-0 down. Um, uh, and last time, they went to Marseille. They lost the game 2-0. They had 18 shots in the velodrome and an XG well over 1.5. And basically, they really did deserve to get uh, at least a goal out of that game. You know, The final score was pretty harsh on how they performed. But um, yeah, over the first three matches in Ligue 1, only two teams have seen more big chances created in their games than Brest. Uh, and they're playing a Ren team who uh, started with a 5-1 demolition of Mets, who'd just been promoted, sneaked a one all at Lons, and then uh, failed to beat 10-man Le Havre at home last week in a two-all draw. Um, the games have been pretty open and pretty bonkers, really. Two out of three have gone over three and a half. All three have seen BTTS. The XG average is at 3.52. Uh, so, you know, very solid grounding on, on small samples to what we've seen this year. But uh, if you go back to the beginning of last year, they've, uh, they've scored in 36 of 41 league games, including 18 of 20 away. They've only managed two clean sheets on their travels. So fully expect both teams to oblige. And then we're just looking for a third goal at a really nice price. BTTS is shorter than 1.7. So I th- don't think we're asking a huge amount just for a, a second team to, to get a second goal in this match. So, uh, or even 3 0 either way, it wouldn't be a huge shock considering where, the way these two teams are playing right now. So, yeah, uh, five to six over two and a half goals. That's 1.83. Well, now it's time for the world-famous podcast treble, a feature so exciting that Nadine Dorries used her love of it as an excuse to explain why she hasn't been going to Parliament for a year or doing any work whatsoever for her constituents. Just for the lawyers, by the way, because I imagine old Nadine is fairly litigious. That didn't happen. That definitely didn't happen. But she hasn't been going to Parliament. How this works is each of the three guys come up with a selection ahead of the weekend's action and delightful traders, just like Brian here, wrap them up for you in a lovely boosted treble mark o'hare i will start with you um i will go both teams score brett's versus wren lovely stuff nice little niche selection to get us going stinch normally we quite creative with what we have to bear and it gets really long-winded on the bet slip so i'm going to keep things short and sweet liverpool to beat villa 
Oh, and we'll talk about that on the Sunday show, which, of course, all of you are going to be listening to. I'm watching you. Make sure you listen on Sunday. Uh, Brian, take us home. Yeah, my nap of the weekend is a player selection on Sunday, but just on the off chance he doesn't start, I'll stick with Monaco to win for our treble. And Monaco to win. A very Gaelic-inspired podcast treble for us this week. And now the moment you've all been waiting for. I know what you're doing. You're going, yes, yes, yes. This is all very well, but get out of the way. I can almost see you all poised with shortbread in your hands and a can of iron brew on the go. It is Mark O'Hare's Scott Watch. Oh, aye. Escort watch. Right, we're going to Scotland's League Two. Uh, Dumbarton's home fixture against East Fife. And we're going to back the home team to win this game at 19 to 20, which is 1.95 in decimals. Uh, it's a fixture they won twice last season, beating East Fife 2 0 and 1 0 on home soil. They finished second in the regular season last year, lost out in the playoffs. Basically, coughed up a really good advantage in terms of winning the league. and their manager, Stephen Farrell, was widely criticised for fluffing his lines, really. Um, but um, there were murmurings of discontent at the start of this year, too, because they started with back-to-back draws. But they've kicked into gear recently, beating 4-5-3-1 and Stenhouse Buell 4-2. So they are top of the table. Um, interestingly, three of their opening four fixtures are coming inside, currently inside the top six. And Dumbarton have actually won the shot count and shots on target count in all four of those fixtures. And they average the most shots and the most shots on target in the division so far. So they're looking pretty good. Um, East Fife are winless in four. They failed to score in two of those. Um, managed just one goal apiece in the other two games. Yet to keep a clean sheet. And the only match against the top four that they faced was at Stranra. Again, they actually drew 1-1, but it required an 86-minute equaliser. And they were playing against 10 men for 80 minutes. So uh, not uh, the 80 best 80 minutes? Well, somebody got sent <laughs> off in the sixth minute? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Much. Yeah, so um, <laughs> they've been failing to fire a little bit in the final third. And this looks tough because Dunbarton last year kept clean sheets in half of their home matches too. So uh, happy to back the home win at almost even money there, considering they will be uh, many people's favourites for, for the League Two title this year. Uh, Culture Corner, we've actually covered both of these two teams in the past. So... Dumbarton, of course, if you remember, um, are the football club with that idyllic location for a football stadium uh, adjacent to Dumbarton Castle on the rock and overlooking the River Clyde. Um, Now, what I probably didn't mention last time was Dumbarton's club crest, which features an elephant with a castle on its back. And this represents Dumbarton Rock with uh, Dumbarton Castle on top of it. So many people back in the day used to say Dumbarton Rock used to resemble an elephant. And as is the case, the castle is sat upon it. So Nice little ah. framed way to put in your club badge. Also, the team's nickname is the Sons. It's derived from the phrase Sons of the Rock, the term that was used for these people born from Dumbarton back in the day, uh, which is only about 13 miles west of Glasgow, but used to be quite a big town back in this heyday. Um, in terms of the football club, they actually won the Scottish Cup in 1883. They've finished runners-up five times and were actually founding members of the Scottish League in 1890. And they shared the first ever championship alongside Rangers. Uh, goal difference hadn't been introduced at the time, so they were denied an actual outright league title. But even still, uh, decent for them to be so uh, good in the early days. Obviously, not so much this, these days. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, obviously talked about the football club, the stadium, the rock. Uh, if that hasn't got you hooked on Dumbarton, they have uh, seven seven different bowling clubs in the town, despite uh, a wow. population below 20,000. So... Um, <laughs> Bowling mad in Dunbarton, they are. 
So it seems. Uh, do we think there are big rivalries between them? Are there fights, do we think? We shall have to find out. And do Hopefully they use someone, elephants to fight each other? Hopefully someone will let us know. I thought you were going to tell me that the elephant had built the castle, <laughs> maybe. But delightfully, no elephants were harmed in the making of this Scott Watch. Well, what a way to end. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Please do remember to look after your elephants responsibly. Lots of excellent preview content on our website, betting.betfair.com. Lots of other shows on the Betfair podcast network as well, including Racing Only Better and indeed Rugby Only Better. A great show ahead of the World Cup. By the way, our shows have been put onto the new Betfair YouTube channel for non-racing content. So make sure you like and subscribe. The link is in the description. Don't be a dweeb. Make sure you listen to the Sunday show. It's good that you came here for the first show. That's fine. Now complete the job and listen to our Sunday show as well. From Brian, from Mark, from Stinch and from me. It's goodbye for now.